Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 77. I'm your host, Jim Hawn. And in this session, we'll be looking at Acts chapter 20 and beyond. We'll see how far we get. As Paul continues and we look at this travelogue, uh, it's best, I think, if you have a map in front of you showing Paul's third missionary journey. I've included that in the uh, handout, I believe, in the last, uh, you know, in session 76. But it will, uh, it will make the study come more alive to you if you can kind of follow along with a map. So at the end of chapter 20, we see that uh, Paul is, uh, or at the, at the beginning of chapter 20, we see that Paul is going to make a brief stopover in Macedonia and Greece. And uh, he goes back to uh, Beroa, uh, Berea, the, where the Bereans were. We already read about them. Uh, they were the ones who insisted on looking everything up in Scripture. And as we discussed during that session, they were looking up Old Testament prophecies to see if Christ matched those. So that was pretty cool. And he goes back to Thessalonica. And uh, so, you know, he picks up a couple of, uh, of his uh, followers notably Timothy, who later becomes a bishop in, in the area of Ephesus. And uh, so then he goes to Troas, all these places, right? <clears throat> so he spends a week in Troas. And then in verse 7 of chapter 20, on the first day of the week, when we gathered to break bread, so there's kind of a Eucharistic reference there. Paul spoke to them because he was going to leave on the next day. And he kept on speaking until midnight. So was Paul a, a uh, enthralling uh, speaker? Well, I'll leave it to you to judge. So he just keeps on talking and talking and talking until midnight. Um, and there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were gathered and verse 9 of chapter 20, a young man named Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill, was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. <laughs> so he fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, overcome by sleep, it says he fell down from the third story. When he was picked up, he was dead. So uh, Paul put him to sleep with his preaching because he just kind of went on and on. So, uh, you know, Paul admits elsewhere that he's not the greatest speaker in the world, but it's his message, not his delivery, that is important. So if you feel like you're not a great speaker, well, <clears throat> Paul wasn't either. But what, what he lacked in uh, making things, um, you know, uh, you know, exciting, what he may have lacked in voice quality or inflection, he made up for with passion. So don't let your lack of speaking ability get in your way either. But anyway, a guy falls out of the third story window. He's uh, bored to death and falls. That's, that's why whenever I give talks, I always make sure I give them on the first floor. 
So don't want that to happen to me either. So then uh, uh, we see that Paul actually heals him. So there are miracles. And uh, so they um, then he moves on to Miletus and he gives a farewell speech in the area of Miletus, which on a map you should see is pretty close to Ephesus. So he has some of the leaders from Ephesus coming in there. And he recounts a little bit his time with them. He says, I serve the Lord with all humidity, humility, not humidity, uh, and, and with the tears and trials that came to me because of the plots of the Jews. And I did not at all shrink from telling you what was for your benefit or from teaching you in public or in your homes. Here, I'd like you to underline verse 21 through uh, 24, because I think it's uh, really uh, essential. Let's read it. I earnestly bore witness for both Jews and Greeks. So he didn't come for one or the other, but for both. To repentance before God and to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So repentance, underline that faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. What will happen to me there, I do not know. And then he goes on and and uh, says, it, you know, it, it doesn't look good. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, imprisonment and hardships await me. And in verse 24, says, yet I consider life of no importance to me if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to bear witness to the gospel of God's grace. So Paul has a singleness of purpose. He doesn't get diverted. He wants to get that message of Christ's offer of salvation out there to, to everyone. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can get diverted with our daily lives, too, from our ultimate purpose, which is to uh, know God and to make him known to others, his plan of salvation. And verse 27, for I did not shrink from proclaiming to you the entire plan of God. Verse 28 Keep watch over yourselves and over the whole flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers. Um, so there's the Holy Spirit again, which is going to guide the church into truth, in which you tend the church of God that he acquired with his own blood. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come after you. And they will not spare the flock. And from your own group, men then men will come forward perverting the truth to draw the disciples away from them. May I suggest that that is just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. We need the church, the church that uh, Christ followed in order to uh, you know make that uh, make that happen, stay true to the church that Christ started. Okay, and he started one church. Don't um, you know? Don't follow some other group that will pervert the truth and draw disciples away from us. I, I've said this before. 
wouldn't it be great if Jesus' prayer for unity was uh, was an actuality today, whereby you know Jesus prayed that we all be as one. If all Christians could stand in one voice and proclaim, for example, the culture of life uh, to the nation, uh, as opposed to you know different groups kind of doing their own things, wouldn't we uh, make a much greater difference in our society today? Okay, so we watch out for those that are trying to take us away from the church that Christ started. Um, verse 35, in every way I've shown you that by hard work of that sort, we must help the weak and keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus, who himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I'd like you to underline the words of the Lord Jesus who himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, we certainly agree with that. Um, but one thing to keep in mind, show me please, where in scripture did Jesus say this? It's, it's a quotation here. It is that Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I have no doubt that Jesus said that. But where in Scripture did Jesus say this? He didn't. You won't find it in Scripture, uh, at least not explicitly. So, therefore, that is a another example of oral traditions of Christ being passed on to the apostles and Paul, of course, ultimately, and ultimately to the believers, right? Show me where it says, in quotes, it is more blessed to give than uh, to receive, where Jesus said that quote. Okay, I'm not going to belabor the point, but this is yet another example of oral traditions of Christ being passed down. Okay, so that's why I wanted you to circle it. Um, let's see, the, the people there at this meeting of Paul were deeply distressed that he had said that he would never see, that they would never see his face again, because Paul is leaving. So now we're on to chapter 21. He arrives in Tyre. Uh, that's kind of a Gentile city. And everybody's saying, hey, you know, don't go to Jerusalem. Bad stuff's going to happen to you. And then he goes to Ptolemais and Caesarea, other Gentile cities. And there's a prophet who says, man, I'm telling you, don't go to Jerusalem. Bad stuff is going to happen to you. Then he goes, he gets to Jerusalem and he meets with James and other bishops that are present. It doesn't say all the other apostles because they've they've also gone uh, to witness to the world. Okay, in the Book of Acts, we see primarily Paul and earlier Peter uh, out witnessing. But trust me, all of the apostles, those that are not killed yet, uh, are are out proclaiming the gospel elsewhere. Thomas, for example, we know went to India. I don't think there were a lot of Jews in India. So he was witnessing to Gentiles as well. Okay, so there's a little problem. Paul is in Jerusalem. 
There's a lot of uh, Jews there, obviously, and some have heard that Paul is telling the Jews, hey, don't get circumcised. Don't, you know, do the dietary laws and all that. Well, in truth, Paul, we don't, we don't see where Paul says don't do that stuff to the Jews. He's saying it's not necessary to do that stuff. If, you know, if you, you know, if you feel like you should do that, you know, I'm not going to stop you from doing that. Okay. But the Jews in Jerusalem are saying, oh, he's saying, oh, you shouldn't be circumcised. And so what does Paul do? Uh, they, they tell James says, hey, I want you to, um, um, uh, verse 23, do what we tell you. This is what James is saying. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take these men and purify yourselves with them and pay their expenses that they may have their heads shaved. In this way, everyone will know that there is nothing to the reports they have given about you, but that you yourself live in observance of the law. So even though Paul doesn't think it's necessary to do that, Paul does what? He follows what the church tells him to do. And it says in verse 26, so Paul took the men and on the next day after purifying himself together with them, entered the temple to give notice of the day when the purification would be completed and the offering made to them. Um, Paul knows these rituals by themselves don't lead to salvation, but he is obedient to the church and, um, you know, is going to do this thing that's culturally correct among the Jews so as to not uh, lose believers. By the way, this purification rite that he goes through, uh, if you want to make a note in your margins, you can read about that purification rite from the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 13 through uh, 21. Okay, then Paul gets arrested. And, uh, you know, he was afraid, he thought that that might happen, and that uh, is happening. And once again, um, the re uh, there's, there's going to be a riot. They're going to try to kill him in verse 31 of chapter 21. And uh, that there's a report that the... Uh, Guys, uh, you know that uh, Jesus, uh, that uh, Paul is going to, um, you know, they're trying to kill him. And the commander came forward, arrested him, and uh, Paul says, uh, uh, "I am a Jew of Tarsus of Sicilia, a citizen of no mean city." Uh, he says to the uh, Paul says to the to the commander. I request you to permit me to speak to the people. And he was allowed to speak to the people. And what does he say? Well, you know, he tells, he uses this as a chance. Uh, verses 1 through 22, Paul kind of retells the story of his conversion and ministering to the Gentiles. And, you know, they're, they're listening and they're, you know, they're, they're not over the edge, the crowd, until he says in verse 21, then he, the Lord, said to me, 
Go, I shall send you far away to the Gentiles. Well, that is beyond the pale as far as the Jews are concerned. And uh, it says in verse 22 of chapter 22, they listened to him until he said this, but then they raised their voices and shouted, "Such take such a one as this away from the earth. It is not right that he should live. And... Um, um, but then Paul makes it known in um, that he is a Roman citizen, and um, the uh, the commander says, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm the was alarmed when he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen, and so." You know, you, you can't, you know, kill a guy without a trial if he's a Roman citizen back in those days. And then he is brought before the Sanhedrin. Okay, so that is the end of chapter 22, and we're a little bit out of time for today. So uh, we'll pick up next time on chapter 23. Um, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, once again, we thank you for Paul's example for all of us uh, that he does not shy in proclaiming his faith. He is, uh, we thank you for his single-mindedness of purpose and that uh, he, he says himself, uh, I consider life of no importance to me if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to bear witness to the gospel of God's grace. May we all um, be infected with the fervor of Paul as we uh, are all called to share that gospel um, with others in our lives. We ask for the grace and the strength and the opportunities to do that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we will pick up again on chapter 23 next time. As always, if you have questions or comments, uh, send them to me at jhcatholicbible at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time.